HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Good Sunday afternoon to you, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and our show today has been generously sponsored by Salumi Cured Meats. Salumi's mission is to provide customers with unique artisan cured meats that are full flavor and that challenge your traditional view of salami and cured meats. Their products are handmade from the freshest products produced in the Pacific Northwest and created from recipes based on Italian tradition, yet refreshed with innovation and uniqueness. The Batali family is the driving force of Salumi, and their objective is to stay small, hand-creating products for the national restaurants, delis, and specialty shops. For more information, go to salumicuredmeats.com. And uh, as always, I would like to thank our super hip and talented producer, Jack Inslee. Uh, the title of our show today is, So You Want to Be a Cheesemaker? We've all thought about it, or at least those of you who are out there listening have probably thought about it, but few of us actually do it. What seems in our minds to be a bucolic dream of grazing cows, ambling goats and sheep, and a few leisurely hours in the cheese house listening to NPR or classical music is in reality something quite different. Um, I always say that in terms of work, farmers work the hardest, chefs work the second hardest, and then they're kind of varying degrees of everybody else. Uh, being a cheesemaker, which I put in the farming category, is seriously hard work. Here to talk to us today to tell us about the highs and lows, the hows and whys of cheesemaking is Veronica Pedraza, cheesemaker at Jasper Hill Farm. Hello, Veronica. Hi, Anne. How you doing? I'm great. Good, good. Um, and I want to mention, too, the number to call in should anybody have any burning questions about cheesemaking, farming, you know, relationships, uh, lucky lotto numbers is uh, <laughs> 718-497-2128. Um, so, Veronica, how did you become a cheesemaker? Oh, God. I don't even know how to answer that question anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was working in restaurants, um, working as a chef and doing front-of-the-house stuff, and I wanted to move to the production side. So um, I had always wanted to have a restaurant with a farm attached. And, as um, if, you know, because a farm isn't like enough, or a restaurant isn't enough work, you might as well attach a farm, you know? Exactly. Um, well, I had been in Morocco, and that was actually like a common practice, 
was, you know, not necessarily having just a garden, but like having a farm attached and cooking what you produced on the land. And I thought that was a pretty nifty idea. It's like um, blue, blue hill, eat your heart out. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I, I figured that I needed some farming experience and I really like cheese. So that seemed like a practical application for my skill set. And I started looking for apprenticeships with cheesemakers and um, dairy folk. And I found that to be a lot harder than I originally anticipated. Yeah, definitely. I mean, who who did you call and how did you, I don't know, how did you go about finding their names and their contact info and all that? Um, well, I was living in Chicago at the time, and I had some good friends at Pastoral, which is a pretty nifty cheese shop in Chicago. And so they put me in touch with a few folks. Um, my first inclination was to go to Wisconsin, which I love. Because Wisconsin's and <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I had gone to school there. Um, and so the first people I actually contacted was um, Willie Lerner of Bluemont Dairy. Um, and Willie is kind of uh, like a little innovator in the cheese world. He's also built a single cave um, and he's not too far off from Uplands, who were my second go-to. Um, Willie never contacted me back. <laughs> Willie, shame on you. <laughs> Uplands was like, hell no. Um, <laughs> Wait, didn't you say, did you face, did you encounter some difficulties being a girl looking for a cheese-making job? Oh, yeah. And I won't mention who told me that they wouldn't hire me, but because um, <laughs> that would be rude. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I was told by several people that um, they would not hire me because I was a woman. And, and, and that's, that's totally ironic because on our show last week, we, we had this woman on who is a cheddar expert, and she was talking about how cheesemaking was always traditionally the woman's job on the farm. And somehow that switched in the 20th century when cheesemaking got more industrialized. Sure. Um, I definitely encountered that problem. And then um, I came to apprentice at Sweetgrass Dairy in Thomasville, Georgia, rather serendipitously. Um, I had taken a production job in chocolate okay. in Chicago, and I went home for the holidays, and I drove, and on my way I passed Sweetgrass, and I was like, huh. Uh, it was really close. It was about 30 minutes away from where my mom lives. Which is which is where? Tallahassee, Florida. Oh, okay. It's right across the state line. And um, I tried to stop there on my way back, but they were, like, closed for the holidays. And um, when I went back to Chicago, I started seeing their products everywhere, and I sort of took it as a sign that I should contact them. Totally. Um, and I contacted Jeremy Little, who's the owner and cheesemaker there, and um, it took about six months of persuasion for huh. him to finally let me come on board. And I had to commit to a year okay. in order to work there. Like, I originally planned on working for a couple of months, and he was like, you're not going to learn anything in a couple of months. So um, I basically packed up a truck and moved all the way to, uh, well, to Tallahassee, and I commuted to Georgia um, for a year working as a cheesemaker. And what kind of cheeses did they make, or what were, What was your first introduction uh, to cheese making there? What kind of cheeses were you guys doing? Well, um, they have goats on the farm, so they make farmstead goat cheeses. 
both um, aged and sort of soft-ripened lactic set cheeses. And then um, they started their farm um, with the help of Jeremy's in-laws, who are like dairy farmers for, you know, about 35 years now. And um, they produce some of the best um, Jersey milk in the state of Georgia. So we also made cow's milk cheeses there. Cool. Very cool. Um, and so then, um, and then from there, um, so now you're at Jasper Hill farm in Vermont. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so how did you, uh, how'd you come to work for Jasper Hill? Well, that's really a great question. I came to work. (laughs) I guess I know the answer to this question, (laughs) but nobody, you know, I just think it's funny. Like everyone, you know, thinking about how you get these internships or stuff like that, you know, it's, it's always, it's kind of a nebulous thing, so I guess I we'll just to, pound it out. <laughs> I have to say this was probably the easiest job I've ever gotten. Um, <laughs> I was working for your shop, and I had moved to New York, um, you know, because I was in a relationship, and that subsequently didn't work out. So I wanted to go back to cheese making, and I lamented to you um, my situation, and you said, well, I'm going out to dinner with Mateo. Um, and maybe, you know, somebody that needs a cheesemaker. And um, so we went out to dinner at Prime Meats, and Mateo was like, you come be a cheesemaker. <laughs> and that was after I don't know how many Manhattans. Um, <laughs> but, but he called me the next day and was like, were you serious? And I was like, yeah, I'm serious. So I went up to the farm for, like, a working interview which a lot of people don't understand um, is necessary in order to come work on a dairy or as a cheesemaker. How would you describe a working interview? Um, You know, I've required this of uh, people that are coming to intern or apply for jobs as I've taken over, like, a managerial role at Jasper Hill. But um, basically going out to the farm for three or four days and actually physically doing the work um, interacting with the employees there because, um, you know, we are kind of like a little bit of a family and we behave like a family oftentimes. Like we do have laughing moments, but we also have moments where we want to kill each other. <laughs> and <laughs> Understood. You're in a hot, steamy cheese room for like 12 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, and things don't always work out, you know, the way you want when you're working with a farmstead product and... There's long hours, and sometimes it seems never-ending. Um, so you have to make sure that these are relationships that you want to have with certain people, and it goes both ways. Like, the cheesemaker needs to make sure that the person they're hiring is someone they want to work with, and that person make, needs to make sure that they want to work with the cheesemaker. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, obviously, your, your working interview went well. Now, went well. And now how, you've been at Jasper Hill for how long? Uh, for like nine months now. Awesome. Awesome. Coming up on a year in June. That is, uh, that's very, very cool. And so, um, can you just take us through like a day, like what's a day in the life of a cheesemaker? Cause like we said, we want to like debunk all the romantic myths. So we got to tell people what it's all about. (laughs) All right. Um, wake up call is around four 30. Um, I arrive to the farm around five. Um, basically, you have to get your vat set up for, um, milking, which also occurs around five. So you need to time everything with the guy in the barn. Um, and then 
basically from there, it's like a 10-hour mad dash to get everything done. Wow. Um, if that. Sometimes it's a 12-hour, 14-hour day. Wow. Um, it involves not only making cheese, but salting cheese, turning cheese, scraping cheese, and then, you know, I don't know how much cleaning, but a lot of cleaning. <laughs> I was going to say, cheese making, I forget who's told that, who, to, who told me that once, but that cheese making was like... Glorified janitor. <laughs> <laughs> or like 20% cheese making and 80% dishwashing. Yeah. Um, and for most of the people that come to the farm, the washing and the cleaning and the sanitizing is like, I guess... The most, well, I mean, it's definitely tedious, but they're like, really? You don't mind doing this? And to me, that's kind of the easiest part of my day. That's the one thing that I know is a, like, is a constant. Uh-huh. That's sort of the easiest thing to take care of. Um, and, and you have, like, uh, certain synergies with the dishwasher, right? Um, I, wasn't the dishwasher originally named Veronica when you arrived at the farm? Oh, the wash tank. Oh, is, the wash tank, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not so much uh, a dishwasher as it's this giant vat of, like, hot acidic liquid that demineralizes um, all of the uh, molds and mats and everything that we use to make cheese. And but that it bad is interns are put into when they don't clean up <laughs> properly. No. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, learning how to use the wash tank is as much a part of learning how to be a cheesemaker. I just had to convince, I have two new interns this month, and they were both like, really? Like, what is there to learn about wash, about the wash tank? And I was like, there's a lot to learn, because if you don't know how to, like, load it properly and, like, organize your day, you can spend, like, an extra two hours cleaning stuff. So Dang. a big part of being a cheesemaker is organization and time management. Yeah. And if you're not good at those things, you shouldn't apply to be a cheesemaker. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first from Sergeant Veronica Pedraza. <laughs> if you don't, if you can't take orders and if you're not organized, don't apply. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, you said you have two interns now. Um, mm -hmm. Is that a kind of a new thing for you guys at Jasper Hill? Um, when I came on, we've, we had interns, and that's something that we're definitely trying to develop. I think that, you know, we do have a lot of that sort of romantic interest in cheesemaking, and a three- or six-month internship is a good way to kind of weed out um, those people that have sort of the more romantic notions of farming and find the people that really don't mind doing the cleaning and sort of the more messy stuff. Um, and, you know, that gives people a great, like, background, I think, to pursue other cheesemaking jobs. Um, one of the goals of our internship program is to <clears throat> basically provide, like, train cheesemakers and provide them to our satellite farms, who we purchase their green cheese and age it in the cellars at Jasper Hill. Um, and green cheese, for everyone out there who's in a cheese dork like us, is... Can you... It is um, cheese that's a few days old. Okay, so just it's brand new baby cheese. Brand new baby cheese, and the sellers at Jasper Hill purchases um, green cheese from, we work with about four or five farms now, and um, we age, market, and distribute that product. Um, 
but part of that pro like that project in the cellars is scaling production up mm-hmm. and in order to scale up production you need to have um qualified staff who know what they're doing and totally. that's a big obstacle um is attracting people to a rural community and asking them to devote i don't know 60 hours a week to working yeah. <laughs> I are you kidding to me? That's you're living the dream. That sounds perfect. <laughs> um well I think we're gonna take a short break. Um, but when we come back, uh I wanna talk to you more about sort of the basic one oh ones of cheese making and about what your plans are as a cheesemaker. Okay. So stick with us on cutting the curd. Is it all in that pretty little head of yours? What goes on in that place in the dark? Well, they used to know a girl, and I could have sworn that her name was Veronica. Well, she used to have a carefree mind of her own, and a devilish look in her eye. These days, I'm afraid she's not even sure that her name is Veronica. You suppose the way it's an Welcome back to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. Our show today, again, has been sponsored by Salumi Cured Meats. For more information, go to salumicuredmeats.com. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and our guest today is cheesemaker Veronica Pedraza. Uh, did you like that, that uh, little break music? I didn't hear the break music. Oh, man. I had him play Elvis Costello, the Veronica song. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I thought I thought that was going to be a good one. Um, so we were talking about uh, your interns at Jasper Hill and how those interns uh, are hopefully going to go out and work for some of your uh, satellite farms. Um, but yeah, living in a rural community is not for everybody, and <laughs> working you know yeah sixty eighty to eighty hours a week in a cheese house isn't isn't for everybody. Um, but, I mean, it, it seems like there are more and more people who are interested in doing this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What are your interns usually like? Where are they from? And what's the, is there any kind of a common thread, or is it totally random? Um, as of lately, we're trying, well, we get a lot of people with culinary background, first and foremost, which I think is a good background to come from. I think if you're accustomed to working in a kitchen, you're accustomed to working in an uncomfortable environment that's usually hot and humid. Um, <laughs> um, usually requires long hours in a dark, cramped space. And, um, you know, also there's the aspect of turning a raw product into, like, something that's actually produced, um, whether that's, you know, turning milk into cheese or taking vegetables and turning them into some kind of dish, um, I think that that's a natural transgression for people. Um, But we're getting a lot of industry people, too, people like you who work um, more on the retail, wholesale, and distribution side of the business. Um, There's sort of a natural curiosity of where their product is coming from. And um, hopefully that's, you know, 
interns of that nature are going to be able to provide their customers with more information, more education, and hopefully give them a better understanding of how to treat their product. Absolutely. I mean, when I was first, uh, uh, my first uh, sort of cheese-related job was, um, well, I guess I worked at Murray's for a summer, and then I went to Cato Corner Farm in Connecticut, and I always thought knowing how the cheese was made, that teaches you the most about how to take care of it and how to anticipate how it's going to taste today, tomorrow, in a week. You know, it's really, it's super important. Sure. Um, and so have any of these interns been successfully sort of um, placed on any of your farms yet, or is that still kind of a work in progress? That's still a work in progress. Um, we, uh, our best intern so far has been a British girl named Joby Williams, and she is poss- she's finishing up a Ph.D., in um, in England, but she's possibly going to be the develop developer of curriculum for the School of Artisan Food, which produces um, you know Stitchelton. Oh wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, not necessarily working as a cheesemaker, but um, you know working in a new and exciting facet of artisan food. Yeah, and so, te- and one that teaches more people how to make these kinds of uh, foods. These products. Yeah. Um, well, what about you? What are what are your own plans and and sort of goals for the future of in in cheese making? Um, hopefully to produce sheep's milk cheese. Yeah, because <laughs> there's definitely there's, a shortage. <laughs> there's no sheep milk cheese around. <laughs> and I feel like I've finally nailed down what kind of cheese I want to make. Can you tell us on the air? Or is that super secret? Um, no, I can definitely tell you. Um, I'm not entirely like you know, sure about this, but I'm thinking I want to produce like a Sara de Estrella, La Serena, Torta style cheese. Awesome. Um, those seem to be in short supply. Um, and from like Spain and Portugal to begin with and in high demand. Absolutely. And for everyone out there who may not have had one of these delicious cheeses, Sara de Estrella or La Serena, there are these like sheep milk cheeses that are um, the curd, and I don't even know, you can fill in the blanks if I'm like totally not explaining it right, but they're like, the curd is treated in a, in a slightly different way. They're coagulated with thistle rennet usually, and they're just these runny, gooey, delicious kind of tangy. Windermere-esque. Windermere-esque, yeah, sheep's milk cheeses. Um, Windermere being one of the cheeses made at, at Jasper Hill. Um, so cool. So do you have it... Um, I don't know, do you have internship plans of your own? Or do you think you're going to go to Spain and, and, and sort of uh, apprentice with one of these uh, cheesemakers? Well, we have a dairy consultant that comes from France, a guy named Yvonne Larche. Uh-huh. Um, and Yvonne works with a couple torta producers in Malaga. And so maybe next summer I'm going to go out there for a little while and uh, learn to make cheese with him. I'm looking into some grants that would basically allow him to be kind of my tour guide and sort of my technician, uh-huh. like helping me to duplicate those recipes um, and act as like a translator and not just translating the language, but translating the language of cheese. Which um, is like, it's like the Rosetta Stone because you like, <laughs> you go one place and they make it one way and you could come home and do it the exact same way, but it would taste totally different and come out completely different. Exactly. So, I mean, one thing about Jasper Hill is that um, 
you know, more than pursuing the artisan aspect of cheese, we're pr- pursuing sort of the scientific aspect of cheese and, like, developing recipes that are based on pH, TA, um, really nerdy things like um, dry fat cheese moisture. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty nerdy, Veronica. <laughs> yeah, I should have totally paid more attention in chemistry and biology class in school, but... <laughs> oh, that's okay. It's never... I'm catching up. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, Those are the kinds of things that really guide, like, the AOC mm-hmm. in terms of defining um, what makes Comte Comte, what makes Roquefort Roquefort, and that's something that's not really going on here in the United States, but if we want to play catch up, I think that we're going to have to explore that. That's another, yeah, I think that's so crucial. And that's so smart that, that, uh, you know, through the help of, of Yvonne, the cheese ninja, you guys, (laughs) you know, just starting to change people's conception of what it is, what it means to make good cheese. And, and, um, I think that that's another thing, you know, thinking about this, this bucolic kind of, you know, artsy fartsy dream of being a cheesemaker it's not like hap- it's not like you leave all this up to chance it's like you do have to be a chemist and a biologist and and you know sort of a a stickler for for hygiene and being consistency and in consistency. your consistency yeah and and so that being a cheesemaker yeah you're right it's like part artistry part technical work and you know lots of lots of love it's really funny because Yvonne always talks about how you should never trust your instrumentation, which would be your pH meter and your um, your uh, titratable acidity, which is a way of measuring acidity um, in cheese. Um, you need to like you need to have that sort of artisan aspect of knowing what sort of visual cues you're looking for, like you know your break test and you know sort of the way coming up from the curd. There's all those kinds of clues that let you know that your instrumentation is lying, mm-hmm. which it generally is. But <laughs> <laughs> you need to, like, figure out the delicate balance of using both of those things to come up with a consistent product. So it's like part part grandma baking an apple pie by hand and part grandma with, like, you know, yeah, the pH meter stuck in the <laughs> apples. <laughs> it's like part Ferran Adria, part grandma. <laughs> That would be, oh my God, what would my grandma do with Fran Adria? I would would definitely, I would have to leave. That would be too funny. (laughs) Um, So, you know, that's definitely the big challenge every day is that the milk is never the same. No matter how hard we try to produce the same milk, we are always dealing with different milk. Way um, to shift the blame to the cows, Veronica. <laughs> it's really all the cows' fault. <laughs> um, no, but what influence? What what influences that? Uh, the difference in the milk. Um, diet is the is the big thing, and balancing a cow's diet um, to produce a consistent milk is the most important thing. Um, but there's all kinds of factors. You know, cows don't like to eat certain things that are good for them, just like people don't like to eat things that are good for them. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and uh, variables, like, you know, obviously seasonal changes. Um, you know, when the cows go out on the grass, they start to eat a lot more. Um, but we've found, at least with our herd, that our milk quality becomes poor um, when they're out on grass. 
Um, and that's primarily because grass is 90% water, whereas hay is 100% solid. Mm. So um, I guess it's not to say that our milk becomes poor. We just have to treat our milk in a different way than we normally would in the winter months. Right, right. Um, we have to cut our curds smaller. We have to stir more. Um, we have to allow for more drainage, which means more turns. Um, so you can't, like, make cheese by the clock. Right, or you buy can't. a recipe book. Yeah. Um, there, you know, and, like, I always told people when I was cooking, you know, recipe, it's a guideline. It's not, like, the Ten Commandments. It's not something that you have to people follow. People don't pay attention to that too much either. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Um, so, yeah, you know, you have your benchmarks, but you have to... Um, sort of always be willing to adapt. So people that are, like, really rigid and not flexible also shouldn't be cheesemakers. Yeah, yeah. You have to be willing, and, and like you said, sometimes you have to be willing to literally eat your mistakes if something doesn't come out the way that you that you want it to. Or you can feed it to the pigs. Or the pigs have to eat <laughs> your mistakes. In that case, just providing you with more delicious bacon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... What advice would you give to sort of aspiring cheesemakers? What do you, what would you, I don't know, tell them to do to sort of explore, explore a little bit more? Um, well, um, I guess number one, eat lots of cheese. Okay. Eat lots of cheese and figure out what kind of cheeses you like. And then um, perhaps pursue an internship, either with Jasper Hill or another producer that you admire. Mm-hmm. Um, and be prepared to sort of um, wake up early, go to bed late, um, work all the time, um, and be prepared to not know all of the answers. Um, that was like, I, I think I like exhausted my two interns in the first week because I just sort of was like, I'm not going to cut anything out. I'm going to talk to you like I would talk to Matteo or my other cheesemaker, Blair, uh-huh. about sort of the scientific aspect. I was like, and not all the lights are going to go off when I'm talking, but you're just going to need to sort of go with the flow. And I was like, and the light bulbs will go off as time goes on. Um, like you said, it's like a translation, like learning the language of cheesemaking, because that's uh, it's it's a really subtle thing and they're it's infinitely kind of complicated so you just have to discover it a little bit at a time the other thing is to understand that it's never just one thing that affects your product it's like a domino effect in cheese making it might be one thing but that one thing affects multiple other variables in your process so you have to sort of be content in never understanding what is going wrong or what is going right um and, you know, if you're a good record keeper, you'll start to notice what is going right or what is going wrong. But um, you need to be, you know, that whole thing about cheese making is 80% cleaning and 20% cheese making. I want to, like, break that down in a different way. I think it's 75% cleaning, <laughs> um, 15% um, record keeping, and 10% cheese making. Wow. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I guess you just have to, in some, you have to know what you're doing, but then also, yeah, just kind of have... Uh, sort of be content not knowing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I certainly don't really know what I'm doing and that, that I get comfort in that every day. So, uh, <laughs> um, well, I think unfortunately we are out of time, but, um, I want to thank you so much for, you know, chatting with me on a Sunday afternoon and, um, who knows you might, you might see like scores of interns coming from people who've listened to the heritage radio network. Hopefully well, we can get some more up there. If they're interested, they can go to the sellers at jasperhill.com website, and there is an application form. Awesome. So for interns. So. Sellers at jasperhill.com. Dot, dot com. Okay. Awesome. Well, I will surely talk to you very soon, and uh, thanks again for joining me on Cutting the Curd. You're welcome. Bye, Anne. Bye. Bye.